0: Welcome again to Empathic Gypsy Transformation with Evelyn Maybett. So this is the first episode of What's Your Story? And I'll be covering my story, the beginning of my story, the first episode, and it's going to be so interesting. In this episode, I'll be talking about how the circumstances of my birth were, the adoption process. How about finding out about me being adopted? All the twists and turns, all the battles, everything that I had to go through in the beginning of my life. So, guys, stay tuned. Now, let's stay. So, my story. My story is filled with laughter, with joy. With tears of pain, of sorrow, of happiness, but disappointments, achievements, successes, twists and turns, which I am sure that every one of you guys is as well. We will start from the beginning. I was born during Christmas time in a small town in Puerto Rico called Ayonito. The circumstances of my birth are quite interesting, and it is what has led me to many years of research, finding myself trying to fit in, and many, many, many issues. As many of you guys know, you guys that follow me, I was adopted. How I came to become my parents' daughter started with much mystery, questions unanswered, and simply jacked up crap. For reference, when I say my parents, my mom, my mother, my dad, my father, these are my parents the ones who raised me. The others will be referred to as biological quote-unquote something, or the man, the woman. My parents traveled to Puerto Rico on many occasions prior to my birth. On one of those occasions, my father met up with a friend of his whom his wife also could not bear children, just like my mom. In their conversation, my dad's friend brought up the fact that he had adopted two children from this lady in a suburb in their town Who gave her kids away or so I thought that was the story that my mom gave me my dad never wanted to talk about the subject therefore I did not hear anything from him however my mom did say a few things not as many as I wanted to know but a few things nonetheless although the things that she said were not accurate so my parents went to speak to this lady And they reached an agreement that as soon as she gave birth to me, she would contact my parents to come pick me up. They went back home to Brooklyn, New York, and it was a fiasco. (laughs) Everyone was gung-ho about this little baby that was going to be coming home. That was the beginning of many preparations. Everyone in the family was elated. However, before the preparations were all done, my mother received that most anticipated call. She traveled to Puerto Rico, and then my father followed suit. They went to where this lady lived with a lot of other children, and some of them were not even hers. Some of these children were from my biological father and his wife. Yes, his wife. There was some kind of an agreement made between these three adults that once my biological mother would give birth, she would give her kids up for adoption in order for her to live close to my biological father. Could you believe that? So my parents arrived at this place where all this craziness was occurring, and they picked me up. What my mom failed to tell me was that I was sold. Yeah, sold. Of course, I have found many conflicting information along the way that was not what my mom had stated to me. The very few information that she did talk about. My dad never wanted to talk about the subject, as you guys know. He was gung-ho about me not even meeting my siblings, which I knew I had. I just did not know the vast amount there were, but I knew there were some, especially in our hometown. My parents went back home to Brooklyn and the whole family was hysterical. They were filled with joy and it was amazingly nice, warm, fun, loving time. They all went crazy over this little girl with curly hair that looked like Betty Boop as my cousin so graciously named me. My cousin and I were talking about this subject the other day, and she said to me that all babies look like Yoda, and I was the only baby she had ever seen who did not look like Yoda. We died laughing at that statement. My cousin stated that I was the most beautiful baby she had ever seen, and that I was wanted and loved very much. Everybody was crazy about me, everyone doted on me. My mom had siblings from both her maternal and her paternal side. The ones that I was quote unquote raised with were obviously her maternal side. Out of all of them there was just one aunt that I totally adored and she loved me back too quite a lot. Funny thing is that I have many memories as early as one years old. I remember many many things from my early childhood. One of the things I remember vividly was this horse that I had gotten as a present for Christmas from my favorite (laughs) line. She was as excited as I was to give me my present. I remember that vividly. My mother's siblings from her paternal side were as excited about my arrival as the other ones were as well. So my parents, they were not meant to have children. My mother could not bear any children, and I passionately believed that there was a reason for that. My parents were abusive in many ways. My dad was verbally and physically. My mom, she was abusive in every which way you can possibly think of. Of course, my dad was unaware of all the things my mom used to do. I never told him. Never. My mom was abusive mentally, physically, verbally, emotionally, in ways that you might not even fathom. Yes, we had heard, we have heard of plenty of horror stories of how children have been abused, and I can say that I was abused, just not to the extent of the abuse of some of the horrific stories I have heard of many children nowadays. However, one of the things my mom used to do that was really frightening to me was that she would beat the crap out of me, and once I started screaming and crying, she would shove me against the sofa with a knife in her hands, which she placed against my throat, And screaming at me, asking me, are you going to shut up? Are you going to shut up? Obviously, who wouldn't shut up? This was terrifying. She did many, many things. But in all honesty, I don't blame my parents. I believe that they did the best they could with with what they had. We can't give others what we don't have. And I believe that they were raised that way. And that's how they raised me. A lot of abuse went on, which will take me about five episodes to cover. (laughs) However, life went on. My family that was so elated and so excited for me to come home changed as well. Except for my favorite aunt. I have a cousin who came into the picture later, although she's older than me. But as soon as she arrived, she became the queen growing up. That cousin and I were awfully close, or so I thought. She was more than a cousin to me. She was like a sister to me in my heart. However, whenever anything happened, which most of the time it was her who did the certain things, I would get the blame for it. I would get the ass whooping. I would get the scolding, the punishment. It was all my fault all the time. I became the black sheep of the family. I couldn't understand why my parents, besides the abuse, treated me as though I was unwanted, as if I were an obligation. I didn't know anything. I never had a connection with my parents. I never felt close to my parents. However, I didn't know. I didn't know any better. I thought this was a normal thing. I had nothing to compare it to. We never sat down at the dinner table have dinner together. We never sat in the living room to watch a movie or show together. I never even had a conversation with them beyond two or three sentences. But to me, this was a normal thing. We used to go to Puerto Rico on a regular basis and I loved Puerto Rico. It was so not New York, if you know what I mean. In the States, or at least in New York, most of the time it's cold and you're locked up in your apartment. In Puerto Rico, it was totally different. We had a lot more freedom. We were able to be outside more. It was so nice. Therefore, I wanted to live in that paradise. I begged my mom for so long for us to move because she was the one who was the most time with me. My dad worked and my mom was a homemaker. I begged her for the longest time until she told me that if I wanted to move to Puerto Rico, I needed to learn Spanish all by myself, on my own. And this was not something that was unfamiliar to me because I was always alone. I was alone in my room playing with my toys or my dolls or whatever, singing, which I still do. It's one of my passions. But I was all by myself all the time, every time I was home. However, I took a harp on that and I learned Spanish by reading the newspaper daily. I knew how to speak Spanish, therefore it made it easier to put the words together, kind of figure out what the words were. I started to learn to read and write Spanish as well. I was ready to go. (laughs) My parents bought some land and built a house in Puerto Rico, and then we left. When I got there, it was awesome because I had a lot of freedom. However, it was strange because there were not even any roads, sidewalks, or anything. Everything was dust and mud. It was horrendous. I mean... We didn't even have a phone. We didn't even have a phone line until about eight years after we moved to Puerto Rico. Well, however, I was elated because I had freedom and I had friends and I made a lot of friends. Growing up, I led a double life and I have touched a bit about this in my blog, some of the blogs that I have made. I was the real me. The one that I was free to express, I was just free and accepted the way that I am when I was with my friends and at school. Whereas at home, I was someone else. At home, I had to suppress who I was. I didn't have a voice. I wasn't even seen. All my life, or at least if my parents were alive and well, I always asked them about my story where did it come from? Well, honestly, After I found out that I was adopted, Uh, yeah, let's talk about the way I found out about being adopted. I was at school with all of my friends because I was kind of popular. (laughs) My clique was always with me. One day, we were hanging out and I was doing or saying the silliest things with my friends and a cousin of mine, a distant one, but a cousin nonetheless, was with us. And I said something, which I can't even recall what it was. And he replied to me, what are you talking about? You don't even know what you're saying. You're so stupid. You don't even know Jack because you don't even know that you're adopted. I looked at him in awe and said, no, I'm not. He answered, yes, you are. Go ask your mom. So I did. On my way to meet my mom, I was praying all the way before I got there. I was speaking to God and asking him, please, don't let this be true. This just can't be true. Please don't let it be true, God. So when I asked her, she hesitated. And her eyes started to well up in tears. My whole world crumbled. It shattered into a million pieces. I looked at her with such disdain. And the only thing that came out of my mouth was, why did you lie to me for all this time? Her answer was that she, or they, wanted to tell me when I was more mature, when I could understand. I mean, I was 11 years old when I found out. I flat out told her, you should have told me from the beginning. You should have never lied. Since that moment, it has been exceedingly difficult for me to process lies. If anyone lies, irrespective of how small the lie is, I cannot trust them after that. So for three months straight, I cried my eyes out every time I could or every time I was at home because in school, remember, I was a different person. Growing up, I never said a word about anything that happened at home to anyone, not even to my closest friends. And our teachers and my friends used to see me with welts all over my body, but they never asked a single question. They never said a single word, as is typical in many child abuse cases. So a lot of things happened in between, and I grew up with being or feeling like a black sheep, like the outcast, and it made a whole lot of sense to me because I didn't belong in the family. After that, every time my mom would beat the crap out of me, I would always ask her, why did you adopt me if you were going to do this to me? I have to say that there were many, many other issues and bits of information that I was unaware of in the Quote, unquote adoption part of the story but let us fast forward a bunch of years i was planning a trip to jamaica and as you guys know you need a passport to go there from the states i went to the dmv the motor vehicle department or the department of motor vehicle in new york and i was there for hours when i got to the window i took out what i had for, for paperwork which was my a baptismal certificate and the lady at the window looked at me and asked me, What is that? I told her, It is my baptismal certificate. She laughed <laughs> and said, What are you giving me that for? I replied that I was, that that was what I had for my documents for the information regarding my birth. She asked me with the biggest sarcastic and cynical smile I had ever seen Where's your birth certificate? I responded that I didn't have one because I was born in a house. She laughed hysterically at me and said, everybody has a birth certificate. I told her I don't have one because I was born in a house. That was so hilarious to her that she was cracking up with her whole entire body. She said to me, girl, just go get your birth certificate because that piece of paper you have is good for nothing. I responded with all the anger I had pent up at her, finding my pathetic situation quite hilarious. What do you mean this is no good? This is what I have used all my life, in school and everywhere else, including everywhere I have worked at. She replied, Girl, that is no good. Go rummage through your useless pieces of paper that you have and look for your birth certificate. Oof. On my way back home, I became livid. I entered my apartment extremely upset and I mentioned to my parents that I couldn't go anywhere. Now, because I don't have a birth certificate. My mom leaves the room where we were at for a minute and returns with a paper in her hands. She gives me this paper and voila, there goes my birth certificate. There was one major factor in there. My surname was quite different to the surnames I had. There was a name of this man where the father's name is supposed to be that I did not recognize or know who this person was. My father graciously tore out the surname on the birth certificate. So I'm standing in this room puzzled with no idea as to what to think. I didn't even know what to ask. I mustered all up all the courage that I had. Every ounce of anything and everything you can imagine I had left and asked the question, what is this? My mom said, that's your birth certificate. As if, you know, she's just like nothing ever happened. I was in awe, to say the least. This is the part where they go on and on about the whole incident, explaining how I got that, how when I was born, they baptized me, and that's why I had their last names. They came to New York, and they got me a social security number, and that was that. How back in the days, a baptismal certificate was a legal document and kind of took the place of a birth certificate. I looked at it, and I asked them, did it not cross your mind that this man could have possibly come here to New York and picked me up, taking me with him because I am legally his daughter? They didn't say a thing, not a single thing. I also asked them, why had they not attempted to inscribe me when we were back in Puerto Rico, although I was nine at the time? But, you know, the man that used to work there certainly must not have been there at, by the time, by that time, I know it would have known I was or where, who I was or where I came from. How did it not occur to them to do this at the time? Or was it that they thought I would never need this document or even have found out about it? Long story short, there were no answers. Absolutely nothing was said. The only thing that my mom said was that when they went to register me, my biological father had done so already. Still to this day in Puerto Rico, when you have a child, you must register the child on your own. And then you must go to the social security office and get a social security number for the child once you get the birth certificate. It's not like here in the States or in New York, where you give birth to a child in the hospital, they take care of all this stuff. In Puerto Rico, you must do it yourself. So their excuse was that they could not inscribe me because the town where where I was born in at the time was not that populated and everyone knew everyone so the day that my dad went to register me the gentleman that worked at the office told him that he could not do it and the reason for that was that my biological father had already registered me it was a small town everybody knew any, everything and anything and that is the reason why i didn't have a birth certificate <laughs> many years later i'm back in puerto rico because my mom have left to go back home after many years of living with me because my dad had passed At this point in my life, my mom was still alive, and she was at the end stages of Alzheimer's disease. I had a car and was driving around without a license, which is typical over there because over there, everybody drives their cars for years and years without a license until they get lots of tickets or they get their vehicles taken away from them, which forces them to get a driver's license. I knew that I had this issue with my birth certificate. So I went to an attorney and explained to him all about the issues that I had regarding my birth certificate. He looked at me straight in the eye and he very matter of fact said to me, you must take your legal surname. I looked at him like he had three heads and responded with a, no, I will not. I refuse to do that. So he asked me, are your biological parents alive? I replied, no. He went on and stated, okay, so your parents were married, which would definitely help. However, your dad passed and your mom has Alzheimer's. And will I be able to appear in court and give a statement as to the circumstances of your birth and your upbringing? Am I correct? I nodded yes. And he tells me these dreaded words. You must take your legal surname because at this point, there would have to be an adoption and there is no one available. In order to legally adopt you. That was one of the worst days of my life, to say the least. He draws up the staff of David and asked me to go to the governmental offices to obtain the documentation needed for, you know, my driver's license. And on my way, he wishes me luck. <laughs> I went to the demogra- demographic registry place with the affidavit and an ID with my current names because in the affidavit it explained that I was the same person, and <laughs> it seemed like it was nothing new to them. It was like a con- it was common. They did give me my birth certificate, and when I had that in my hands, I just wanted to tear it into a million pieces. I proceeded to go to the social security office to change my name and my social security number. Again, the lady that took care of me acted as if this was a normal thing. I explained to her how that, you know, how I had given, how I'd been given away, but I was never legally adopted, that my biological father had registered me, blah, blah, blah. The woman at the window said it was no problem, no big deal. However, she told me, I need your social security card. I looked at her like she was crazy, and I asked her, what do you need that for? She said, because you cannot have a card with other surnames because that is not your legal name. I felt like 10 people had just punched me in the stomach and had taken the wind right out of my lungs. As the lady took my card and shredded it. And This is hard to talk about. She shredded my identity along with it. My heart was crushed. I lost my identity. I was no longer the person I knew to be for so many decades. This was the last thing that I had that bonded me to my parents. I felt this huge ache in my heart because although my parents were abusive, cold, distant, unaffectionate, I still loved them. They were my parents. I was still their daughter. After that, I was no longer who I had been all those years. This was by far one of the worst things that has ever happened to me. This incredible, unbelievable, crazy nonsense has led me to many, many issues like abandonment, rejection, and trust issues, just to name a few. This issues, these issues I have worked, I have had to work through and still must work with. I must be aware of at all times, of these issues because out of them stems many, many behaviors, patterns, beliefs that are detrimental to myself, my life, my relationships, just to name a few. If I do not realize when I am self-sabotaging, to be fair and to be honest, I did not even know anything about these issues, much less that I had them and how self-destructive they could be. I wasn't aware that those issues can wreak havoc in my life. That they are a danger to my well being, to the decisions I made, the things that I do, if I don't have a good grip on them. So here I am now, living with these issues that I did not ask for, I did not know I had, and I was unjustly and unfairly given. So, guys. even though all of that has happened, even though I've went through that and that's just the beginning. (laughs) Ooh, it gets much more intense and much more interesting and intriguing from here on. But here I am. I'm still standing. I'm still breathing. I'm still achieving. I'm still moving full speed forward. I'm still me. Yes, I have a different surname. Yes, a lot of things have changed, but I'm still me. And those issues, those behaviors, those events, have never changed who I am at my core. I will not allow them to do so. So it's not impossible to pick your head up after those horrible things that have happened to you, after all those changes and things that have made you question your very own existence, and still be who you are at your core without allowing those things to change who you are, to have those things serve as an inspiration to you, for lack of a better word. Allow all of those shortcomings to serve you as a reason to do better, to be better. All these things, battles, shortcomings, have been the start of this journey of service, of this journey of caring so deeply for others, of helping every person that I meet, everyone that I come across, of loving everybody, irrespective of who they are, what race they are, what nationality, what they have or haven't done even the things that they have done to me as well. Obviously, it takes a bit of time after you get over the actual shock of what people do. However, I go back to loving them, irrespective of what they have done, and I do so unconditionally. So guys, this is the beginning of my story with lots of drama, turns and twists, ups and downs, and everything that you can ever imagine. But this has solidified who I am, the empath in me. Which kind of made sense when I found out that I was one. So, guys, I learned that loving is the only way. Love is the only thing. Love conquers all. And we're here on this planet to love each other, to help each other, to serve each other. And that's exactly what I'm doing. And that's exactly what my life purpose is and will always be until the day. I take my last breath. I thank you very much for your precious time. I thank you for tuning in. I thank you for listening to the beginning of my story. I'm really grateful that you took the time out. I know how much that means, how much it means to you. And I want to let you know that it means the whole world to me. Thank you. I hope that whatever I have said, And whatever experience I have had and how I have overcome certain things may lead or may give you, serve you as a source of inspiration, as a source of strength, of knowledge as to what to do, what not to do, or even on how you can overcome all of those battles that we all struggle with. As always, love, peace joy, and light. Namaste.